Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing today? So good to be with you. And you know, you can talk back to me at times whenever I don't ask for a talk back. It's fine. It always helps a preacher out, to, you know, to hear an amen every once in a while. Uh, in, in New York, do you know that whenever you really get going, they'll say, preach, <laughs> preach. A uh, couple of things I want to share with you briefly just uh, before we get started this morning. Um, we are, I mean, at the very last legs of having construction stuff done. We still have one thing left to get the thing painted in here. But the new roof went on this week. So we got a new roof outside. They're digging ditches out here. They're going to hopefully wrap that up soon. So uh, just let you know kind of what's going on on that front. And then over Thanksgiving break, they're going to paint all up there black. Because I know when I'm speaking and some of you guys get distracted and you start looking around and tracing wires with your eyes. And where does that one go? And I wonder what's soon it's going to be black. You won't really pay attention to it. So um, also a uh, little Rescue Hill update so you kind of know a little bit about what's going on there. Um, uh, we had another wonderful time of prayer and worship tonight. You know when you're uh, doing a, a church plant, and that's essentially what this is, it's a relaunch uh, church plant. It's, you just have to begin. You, you're not going to begin as a full-blown large church. You start with prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. Establishing that culture. And uh, so that's what we did last night, but I, I will report, I don't see her in here now, uh, Gabby's mom, uh, make sure I got this right, Bruno, last name Salgado, right? Um, she, we prayed for her last night, and she, her knee was healed of pain. So it's, uh, a matter of fact, it was a, kind of an overwhelming moment for her. And I think, I think it was great that, to see things like that happening in our midst. And so this morning as we pray healing for those of you that we did. I'm going to continue to pray that God just does a special work and a healing in your life because I'm reminded that in Paul wrote, it's not by wise and persuasive words that many have believed, but by a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. You see, this morning I can stand up here and I can tell you all the stories about all the things that have happened, but as we see with our eyes people being healed and as others who maybe don't go to church with us, they're the ones that we're telling these stories to. They're the ones that we want to pray healing for. We, I mean, us also, but whenever those things begin to happen, it's a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Not us. It's, and it's nothing that we do. And it's not by a special prayer. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. So um, I just, I'm excited about that. Uh, something's been on my mind and it will play into what I'm going to talk about today. I'm not going to jump right into it quite yet. Um, oh, as, as I get into that, the notes for today's message, we'll have the QR code. You can probably pop that up now. You guys can look at that if you want. Also, um, we started something new, and, and this isn't, not new, but uh, we, we finally did get an online host. If any of you guys want to be an online host, by the way, let me know, because we need that. Lantana.online.church is something, and if you ever look at our Facebook, you'll see that uh, when we go live, that's there. But it's interactive. If you're watching, and if you're ever not here, and if you're watching from Facebook or YouTube right now, you can actually go to that website, and you can give messages to each other, give a little uh, shout out, and um, we have somebody who is monitoring that, and sometimes somebody might need prayer. They can say, hey, I'll send that prayer on to the, 
the team, that kind of a thing. So pretty neat that we have that, lantana.online.church. But what I want to start with today, and this is kind of a, something that was a burden for me, and it's, it's been in the discussion the last uh, week, maybe two weeks. It's not a long time, but, you know, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And uh, we've got three weeks left today and, and then two more weeks, three messages left on the kingdom of God. But one of the things that I, I've, I've been just asking God, what's next? What do you want from us? Um, what do you want from me? And I think what's coming back to me, and I'm really praying through on this, is uh, just... And I'm going to say some things right now, and I do, please do not be offended. I just, this is what's on my mind, okay? But I feel like God's saying, quit playing games. Um, and through some people in my life, and then uh, a confirmation of the Holy Spirit, the word repent just keeps bubbling up. And I, I've talked about repenting once or twice um, there's some different schools of thought in the theological world that some people don't need to repent after they've repented. Uh, I don't fall into that school of thought. I think that to repent means to, to turn from, and I think we're going to get into this, so I, I'll just give you some where I, I think we're going to go, but to repent means to turn from a, a a former way of thinking and to a new thought. It's basically turning to a new thought. And John the Baptist did a lot of repent and be baptized, you know, repent. Um, and that's where the kingdom of God comes in. Repent because the kingdom is near. Repent. Turn from your old ways and go this new way. It's repenting. And I'm not a doom and gloomer guy. If you know me, you know that. As a matter of fact, one of my top five strengths is in the Clifton Strengths Finder is uh, positivity. But the end is near. <laughs> I don't know how near. Nearer today than it was yesterday, right? We can agree on that. Uh, we don't know if it's tomorrow or if it's 10 or 20 years. I don't know. But I think that we've been lulled into this place of playing games. And God's saying stop. I think we've been lulled into this place of not feeling like we need to repent. But God's calling us to repent. And I think we're saying, I don't, I don't think I need to repent. What do I need to repent of? I mean, I've been saved for 40 years. I'm pretty good. Mm. I don't think that's the way it works. And so I think what I'm picking up from God for us is that he's calling us to a path of obedience through repentance calling us to repent of former things in our lives. Uh, Jerry Porter delivered a... It's just, I don't know if it was, it's not preaching, right? And because we're a small group, 10, 15 people. Um, next week, by the way, Rescue Hill. And Lucas and, and Gabby are doing a great job leading this. I'm so proud of them. Next week, we're going to start canvassing the neighborhood and letting them know that we're here. Or that they're there. <laughs> um, but I feel like 
there's this um, call to obedience through repentance. And we can't enter his kingdom that we're talking about now unless we repent. And I think that the Christian walk is a walk of repentance. Because I, I have, oh, and I, I was talking about Jerry. He said something last night, and he's mentioned this to me before, that God calls us, I hope I don't butcher it. If I get it wrong, then ask him after. He can tell you exactly. But when God calls us to forgive, or Jesus said 70 times 7, he didn't intend 490 times. The reason is because every time that thought pops up, you have to forgive him again. It comes up and you got to forgive him again. And it comes up, you forgive, you know, you don't forgive them once and then it's, you never think about it again. You're, it's going to come up. So you, you forgive them and, and then you forgive and then you forgive. And I think that this is what happens in our Christian faith because God deals with us in something, whatever that thing is in our lives. And then we repent of that thing. Oh God, I'm so, you're right. I see in my life where I've been going wrong, I repent of that. Forgive me for that. And you turn a new way, right? You begin, it's a new thought. You're going a new direction. And then uh, somebody cuts you off in traffic. <laughs> and all that repentance went out the window, right? And you're like, I, oh, God. I repent. Forgive me for that thought. I'm going to go anew. It's a new thought. It's a new way. And then you go to Sonic, this happened to me the other day, and you order your meal and they don't bring your drink and you don't pay attention to it and you drive off and you get home and you don't have a drink now with your Sonic meal. Ah, oh, you, ah, oh, forgive, I repent. Forgive me for having those thoughts, for thinking those words, for, right? It's a, it's a call to obedience through repentance. This is how we enter his kingdom. And for me to stand up here and talk about it is easy. But to do it, and this is what God's putting on my heart. This is why he's tired of us playing games, because we can talk about it, and you can hear the pastor, the preacher, the speaker, the evangelist, whoever, say, hey, we need to do this. Yeah, we need to do this. Let's go and do it. And the first opportunity we are presented with a thing to do, we don't do it. Because we're, I've heard people say, I, I can't forgive them. It's going to be a while anyway. Oh, no. That's not how the scripture reads. I've heard people say, well, it was just the one word the one time until the next time. It's fine. God doesn't care. Well, I think he probably does. I just did that one thing that one time, and it's going to be fine. Jesus still loves me. He does, but you still need to repent. It's a life of repentance. And I think that in, in America, in our comfort, we're just not repenting because we don't need anything. So as we, the next three weeks, dig into the practical parts of his kingdom, just, just begin to think about that. What area of repentance, and this is hard. This is not easy. To admit that we're wrong, to to admit that we have fault i mean we pay people lawyers to help us not go into a place where anything's our fault to avoid all liability it's part of our culture we don't want 
to be at fault. We don't want to be called out. We don't want to be the one to blame. We don't want to be the one who's responsible. We, it's not my fault. I mean, they did it. I reacted this way because they did it. It's their fault. But that's not. So you can see why as a pastor talking to, this is not how you get people to come to your church. <laughs> Listen, come, it's going to be awesome. We're all going to repent. <laughs> right? But this is what God's calling us to. And a church that is moving towards repentance is one that has to have prayer. Prayer is so important. Please be here Thursday night. Pray with us. Cry out to God with us um, before the service. That's what we're doing. Every, I know there's Sunday school going on and there's other things going on. I don't want to get anybody out of that. But when you get out of Sunday school or if you, cut, if you don't have a Sunday school class that you go to, come early and pray because that prayer will make our hearts soft so that we turn towards repentance. And that, by the way, is the only way to get into this kingdom of God. That's the only way. We have to repent, turn from our former thought. You cannot carry the kingdom of the world with you into the kingdom of God. The two don't go together. It's oil and, oil and water. They just aren't going to mix. Repent of the kingdom of the world and enter into the kingdom of God. And that's what we're talking about. So I used a lot of time to get us there, which is fine because we're not watching football anymore anyway. It's a worthless sport with, <laughs> that is just uh, receiving my scorn. You see, I've got to repent. Oh, God, forgive me. <laughs> I'll catch you up real quick. And I'll dive into today because now we get to turn the corner and talk about the practical ways to enter the kingdom of God. But, um, and this is the last time I'll do it. So if you have missed some times, you're going to get a condensed version. How we started off talking about, we have been brought to this place where uh, the gospel message has morphed over the years to become the minimum entrance requirements to get into heaven. What is it that I have to do so I can get into heaven? But that's not what Jesus talked about ever. Jesus talked about this place where the poor and the marginalized are welcomed in, where uh, people cared about the environment, where people cared about their neighbors, where there is no junk, where there's no pettiness, there's no small-mindedness. That's the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus talked about incessantly. And he's recruiting a group of people that he calls the church, us, to tell people about this kingdom, to demonstrate this kingdom. And he figured that once people figure out what that looks like, that they would be willing to do anything to be a part of that. That they'll do anything because they figure out this kingdom is so valuable, they would sell or hawk or borrow or whatever they have to do to get into that kingdom because they just have to have it. Because we all want to be loved, we all want to be in that place. And we talked about boundary markers, how people set up boundary markers to identify who's in and who's out, and the church is no different. They established, we have established boundary markers to make us feel better about ourselves, to make us feel different. We say, well, it's because we're set apart, which is true, but then people begin to rely on those boundary markers. Well, I'm a Christian because I go to church every week, or I, and, and I go to Sunday school, and I don't wear makeup, so I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a better Christian than you. But that's not what Jesus had in mind. That's, that's boundary markers that, that we create. 
Jesus said his boundary markers are markers of the heart. He said it's the circumcision of the heart. It's nothing you can see, which is hard for us because when somebody walks in the door, we look at them and we're like, oh, yeah, I see. Not a great Christian. I can tell. They don't dress like me. They use words that I don't use. It's a whole different dialect. But Jesus says that's not the way it works. It's all about our heart. And so we talked about the idea that religion won't get us there. We can't run faster or try harder or do our very best and make it into the kingdom. That's just not how it works. Our behavior does not make us a better Christian. We, we get it backwards. We think if we can get our behavior right, then that speaks to what kind of a Christian we'll be. When actually the better Christian we are, the more our behavior is like that of Jesus. That, that's the whole intent of any talk about behavior because we want to be like him. Uh, he told the woman at the well, there's a spring. It's like any that's giving eternal life. And, and if God's love is like a spring that flows all the time, then our job is to find that flow, to work with it. He's already doing something. And, and the kingdom of God has nothing to do with being religious and everything to do with welcoming people in. And so we talked a little bit about what that looked like, a, a history lesson, if you remember. There was a place where that happened once where people were welcomed in, where people loved each other with everything that they had, where they sold everything they had and they shared and they had all this stuff in common and that resulted in a revolution that even though they were under intense persecution in under 300 years, the majority world, most of the world, over 50% were saved, became Christ followers. And that happened because if we love God, then we will love his ragdolls if you remember the story. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what this looks like. We're going to flesh this out. Again, this is all great in, in theory. It's good to talk about. But what do we do? What's our part in this whole thing? How do we move into position? That's Today's message is titled Set in Motion. How, how, do we, how, how do we get set in motion? So the first thing I want to do is talk a little bit about how we view God, I, and I got a video here. They did a, an interview called, a, they call it Man on the Street, but let's watch this video to give you an idea of how people see God. Hey, everybody. We just wanted to get an idea of what people think about God, so we're out in our city, and we're going to see what they say. What do you think that God is like? I don't think it's a gender-conforming thing. Okay. Um, it's a powerful force. I believe it's a form of energy of the universe and the good things that we do, that is God. God is everything. He's total for me. I don't know, probably it's big. Yeah, it's smart. What do you think God thinks about you? Uh, I think God thinks I'm like an average human being. He just sees everyone the same, so I guess like I fit into his like, oh, you're fine in my eyes. I don't think God spends time thinking about me. What do you think God thinks about you? Um, I think that he respects everyone, including myself, and is forgiving of my sins, I guess. I think he thinks I'm so important, and I am always amazed at how he can look at so many people in the world and know them individually and care about what's happening to them on a minute level. He or she's kind of above thought. 
So I, I really can't say, because if he created us, then you know, he must love us regardless. What do you think God is like? I don't really spend a whole lot of time thinking about God. God is a powerful white light that is uncomprehensible. I don't know. Uh, I couldn't answer that one in 10 seconds, man. God is love. That's it. It's concise. Yeah. Hey, do you guys have a second? All right. <laughs> what do you think God is like? I think God is a big cloud of gas. It's great. Uh, very generous for all the people or for all humanity. What do you think that God is like? He's a very kind person. He's a person who accepts everyone for who they are. Well, I would say like me, but in a good way. Since I'm created in his image, I like to think that he understands my feelings, the good things that happen, the bad things that happen. So I, I resonate with God. So many people don't understand God. A ball of gas, a, a white light. I mean, some people do. God is love. You know, that's right. How is it that we've come to this place where people see God in this way? You know, I, I grew up, um, I guess my early childhood, I wasn't in the church because my dad didn't get saved until, you know, I was four or five. But my idea of God, this is no joke, I grew up thinking of God as a, like a man with a long white beard sitting in a, a, uh, a throne with lightning in his hands, I guess like Zeus or something, and he was ready to strike me with lightning if I messed up. Like, where did that come from? Because my dad didn't even know who God was. <laughs> so... I guess that idea that I had of God came from the church, I guess. I mean, it's formed at an early age. I didn't know. So I, I think that we have to be really careful because people don't know who God is. Like me, they may think he's an old man up in the cloud or has a, a whistle like a referee waiting to blow it and say, foul, you did wrong. I think we need to know that God is love, but Saying that God is love doesn't, it's just not strong enough. You know what I mean? Because love is a word that has been so washed down in, in English language. It's just God is love. Okay, what does that mean? So we have to look at the action behind what that love is. Because no matter where we've been, no matter who we are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. No matter where we've been, no matter who you are, and no matter what you've done, God loves you. Does that mean that you get to be his, in his kingdom because he loves you? Well, not unless you repent. See the rub there? But we have this idea that if we work hard enough, if we try good if we do all of our things and memorize the scripture and and go to Sunday school and go to church if we do good enough then we can make it <laughs> but that's not what God has established for us so first John 4 I oh don't my word I'm, we're just like at the very beginning here and I know some of you are looking at it like when's the scripture coming this this is it this is the scripture today first John 4 um verses 7 through 9 dear friends let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is, there's so much here. There's, there's so much, and we're gonna dig into a little bit of that. So love by its nature is not inward focused. Love seeks to move outside of itself. It can't be contained, it has to go. And we understand that from a very early age. Even children understand that. Right? First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby and a baby carries. You guys know it? Like we learned that as kids. Kids still learn that, right? Do y'all, is that something? First comes love, then comes... We understand from early on that it, it moves outside of itself. It, it can't stay with us. Um, when I, when Cerise and I were first married, I mean, first of all, we're dating and everybody's saying, hey, when are y'all getting married? Well, we're not even sure we're going to get married yet, but, you know, thing. and then finally we did get married and as soon as we're married, hey, when are y'all going to have kids? Right? Like, love seeks to move outside itself. It cannot be contained. It does not stay with us. And that's the way God's love is. It comes to us, but it doesn't stay with us. It passes on to others. Our experience of love gives us fuel to love others. When we grasp, when we grasp how amazing the love of God is, then we become evangelists for that love. Because we're like, oh, he loves me. No matter what I've done, he still loves me. And that makes me want to love him, right? That's, that's what we do. But that's not what Jesus asks of us. Because he loved us, and, and it, he says this, it, it's easy to love somebody who loves you. It's easy. I think as a marriage relationship, Reese and I have, she loves me, and it makes it so much easier for me to love her because of the way she loves me. And then I love her, and she then loves me back, and so it's, it's easy. That makes it easy for us. But in, 1 John, or in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new command. Love one another. You guys remember this. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. In summary, verses 9 through 17 says, the Father loves me, I love you, you love others. You see the progression? It's a natural progression. God loves me, I love you, you love others. It's a love that does not stay with us. It goes out from us. We aren't just receptacles of God's grace. We are conduits of it. It flows through us. As you guys look around the ceiling there, there's some conduit up there. Understand that. There's wires in that conduit. It takes it from one place to another. Same thing with our love from God. It comes to us and goes out from us. We're conduits. It's uh, the Dead Sea. You know what they call the Dead Sea? Because it's dead. And nothing alive in it. Do you know why? There's no outlets. Water flows into the Dead Sea. There's nowhere it flows out. People, when they visit uh, and they want to go to the Dead Sea, it's a, a phenomenon. They float, like really easy. You can float because it's so full of minerals and salts and stuff because water flows in and it doesn't flow out. It's dead. It's not alive. 
And any body of water that flows in and doesn't flow out is going to die. So Jesus brought the kingdom of God with him to show us what it's like, and then he gave us permission to go and show others what that's like. He came and he said, listen, this is the kingdom. This is what it's like. And everybody, some people got mad at him. You're eating with sinners. Look what you're doing over there. How can you talk to that woman? Don't you know who she is? How did you? He says, this is the kingdom. This is what it is. I love people who are the poor and the marginalized, the down and out. That's who I love. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I'm offering an invitation to a changed life. I'm inviting you to repent and join me into this new thing. Actually, if you want to get technical, it's a restoration of an old thing. We have to enter other people's worlds. As we do this with our kids. I can still remember, as a matter of fact, I was looking at it this morning, um, Morgan was about four years old, and she came to my office. She loved coming to my office. She hasn't been in my office in probably five years at this point. But when she was a little girl, she loved it. She would come to my office, and I had a little, and they all did this. Um, but I had a little toy box with a, little, a wig. They could put the wig on and play around. It was a clown wig and some balls and some Velcro things. and You know, whatever. They might remember that. Come in, they would play with the stuff. While and they loved coming to my office. And uh, there's a, I have a paper, I still have it. Morgan, one day, she was drawing. And you know, we had papers everywhere, so she drew her outline of her hand. And I remember when she did that, I thought, I'm going to save this. I wrote her, the date on it, and I still have that in my office. But you know, that's, that's changed. Um, if I want to be with my kids, if I want to spend time with them, then I've got to do things they like to do. I've got to enter their world. And I want to connect with my kids. I want to, I want to. We, we don't ask them to enter our worlds anymore. How, when's the last time you said, hey, why don't you come sit on the couch and watch the news with me? <laughs> no thanks, Dad. I don't even, what's the news? I don't care. I've got to enter their world. So you, you know what, uh, the, the new thing now is they shoot Ascaria. It's not new, but that's a Brazilian steakhouse or whatever. Morgan's favorite place. So how do we enter other people's worlds? That's what we've got to ask. How do, we, how do we do that? We have to figure out what it's like to feel what other people are feeling. It's called empathy. What is going on in their life? And not only have empathy, but communicate that empathy. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 12. Paul said this, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Ordinary here not meaning we're all extraordinary. Ordinary meaning people who aren't in the kingdom yet. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Be like Jesus and enter their world. If we want to reach somebody for Jesus, it's not going to happen in the safe confines of my world. I've got to go to their world. So who are we spending time with? Probably we need to be, in, some of us, myself especially, because as a pastor, I spend time with Christians all day long. 
So I have to be intentional about the things I do. It's one of the things I love about the place that I work out. I get to spend time with not everybody there is in the kingdom. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I know they're getting tired of it, but I'm always inviting them to church or something that we're doing. Or Don't separate ourselves and spend time only with Christians. Hang out with your neighbor. One day, Chris and I have hopes that we'll put a church softball league together. Maybe instead of playing in a, in a church league, we play in the city league. Maybe instead of a Christian coffee shop, we go to a different coffee shop. I mean, we don't want to be isolated from the world and become the Dead Sea. Do whatever it takes to help people experience Jesus. And so one of the things that we try to be intentional about at our church is things that are attractive to people. We want them to come to church. We want them to be a part of it. If you invite somebody to church, let them know we're not going to single them out. I remember, some of you may remember this, and, and we're, I'm almost done. When I was a, a youth pastor, this, this is, shows you some of the, the old things we used to do. This is 20 years ago now. But people, visitors would come to church, and we would say, thought this was the greatest thing. Oh, we want you to feel welcomed. If you're a visitor, would you please stand up? If you're new and you've never been to church before ever in your life, would you please stand up? Oh, look out, let's give up. And then they said, hey, don't do that. It's not good for their, like they may not come back because they don't want to be seeing a lot. Oh, okay. All right, we want everybody, everybody if, if you're not a guest, stand up. <laughs> this is no joke. This is what we did. All the guests, just stay sit, sitting down. If that's, we don't want to single you out. <laughs> Let your guests, your friends know that we're not going to single them out. We're not going to ask them to sing on the stage. We just want them to come to church and experience the kingdom of God. Come and see what it's like when we love each other. Think about the time you visited somewhere you were unfamiliar with. No joke, it, even the way our church is designed, you walk in the door, you can come right in here, but if you go to a place for the first time, you walk in, you don't know where to go. Can I sit somewhere? Is that somebody else's seat? I don't know. Let them know that uh, somebody's going to be here, they're going to be greeted. If they're, if they're new, we'll show them where to sit. We'll show them where things are. And everybody in here will give up your seat for a guest. Like, we're not, we don't care. Jesus never told us what church was supposed to look like. He never told us what worship was supposed to sound like, only that we should. He, we just have to do things to attract others. So what we need to do is learn to take down the boundaries. Personal boundary markers that the, the church, uh, that we set up, church boundary markers that we set up as a church. If we want people to come, we got to take those down. People's preconceptions of the church, preconceptions of, of Jesus, if we can remove those, then people may find that they want Jesus to be a part of their life. That repenting isn't a big scary thing. It's not like, hey, why don't you come to church? You're going to repent and get a good kick in the pants. It's going to be awesome. Like, no, we're inviting you to change, like, all the bondage from the sin and, and the slavery to the, the, the things in our life and our past. We can leave those behind us, turn our back on them, uh, repent of those things, have a, uh, put those in our rearview mirror and move towards freedom. Move towards Jesus. A place where you're loved, where you're welcome no matter what. If you didn't take a shower before you came to church, you're still going to be loved. If you got holes in your jeans, it's fine. 
We love you anyway. Some of you are like, oh, do I have holes? Listen, so this is it. This week, let's start to put our love into action. This is, we, we talked the first three weeks about the, the theological principles behind it. Now we're looking at, this is what it looks like. Practically, what is it that we need to do? We need to put that love into action. And the first thing I believe is we need to enter someone's world, show them the love of Christ. Empathize with someone who's sad. Have a barbecue and invite your neighbors over. Get a trunk for trunk or treat. We'll have all kinds of kids over here. Bring some candy, which I know Lucas was talking about the free candy. I mean, it's free for everybody who comes. We, you're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> we're providing it for them. But this is what we're doing. We're entering their world. We're trying to connect with them. We want them to understand who God is and what happens in his kingdom and how much they're loved. That's all. So this week, will you find somebody to connect with? And if we think we have an awesome thing going on at our church, bring them to church with you, man. Let them see what this love is all about. Donuts and coffee and a chair that has nobody's name on it. We're going to close with a song. And as we do that, I just, uh, we're going to make our prayer this morning. God, would you move? Would you move your kingdom to this earth? And move me. God, this morning as we kind of wrap up our time together here, I, I'm going to ask that you would help us. Help us to, uh, to figure out what this looks like to set your love in motion. This love that comes to us but doesn't stay with us, it has to go out. This love that causes us to enter other people's worlds. To treat them kindly when they're mean to us. To forgive them the first time and every time. And God, as you work through, and I don't know if this percolates with everybody here, but as, as you work through us and begin to teach us what true repentance is help us to understand that it's going to require that for us to enter into his king into your kingdom but most of all give us love love not only for each other and then that's another thing it says jesus said people will know whose you are by the way you love each other that's another reason we want people to come to church to join a small group a home group or a Sunday school class. I, I just, and God, give us the, the wisdom to know who to invite to church and give us the, the gumption to ask people because we don't want to hold it for ourselves. The, the holy boldness, my pastor used to say that, the holy boldness that we need. We love you this morning. And help us to leave here and love others with the love that is giving of ourselves. We ask in Jesus' name.